Hi, everyone. This is Aaron Larson, executive editor of Power Magazine, and you're listening to the Power Podcast. On today's episode, I'm joined by Jim Bunsey. He is the Director of Commercial Business Development with the Propane Education and Research Council, commonly referred to as PERC. So, Jim, I had you on the show uh, a few months ago, I think back in April, and I'm pleased to have you again so we can talk about some more propane-related uh, projects. But for those that maybe didn't hear the initial episode, can you tell a little bit about yourself and your background and about PERC and what they do? Aaron, I appreciate you having me on again. We definitely have some exciting stuff going on in the propane industry, especially as it ties to power generation. But so I'm the Director of Commercial Business Development here at the Propane Education Research Council. So what that entitles is you know, I'm doing large projects and small projects looking for the growth, you know, in the propane industry because that's what PERC does. We support the propane industry. We're funded by the industry, so we get a fraction of a cent for every gallon of odorized propane used in the United States and it is invested back in the industry in safety and training and just supporting the industry to help it grow, finding new technologies. And my part of in the business development is I'm working, you know, main part is power generation and kind of the exciting thing about power generation is we go from backup power in homes with a small little six to 10 kW unit all the way up to megawatt system doing prime power. So my, my portfolio is really large that I'm dealing with, but it's kind of exciting because the same product, propane, C3H8, can do it all. It's here to help us clean up the environment and we're offsetting a lot of diesel generation now, especially as Tier 5 starts coming in and those engines get more complex and more expensive. And we have the infrastructure here today so we can do that. So I'm kind of excited that you're having me back on today so that we can talk about, um, you know, some of the projects that, you know, I've ran across since we spoke last. Yeah, and, and I'm excited to hear about them because I, I know that you've been doing a lot. I think you mentioned that you were at a conference recently where you did some demonstrations. Can you talk a little bit about how maybe propane is being used for fleets and, and things like that? So, yes, yeah, so it was really exciting. Um, we went to Anaheim, California. It's the ACT Expo, and it's Fleet Expo for Alternative Fuels. And, of course, you know, I've been going to that expo for the last 12 years, and we had CNG and propane was sitting in the middle there. And now that the grants have gone away from CNG, as we all know, it's electrification of everything. So I said, okay, what are we going to do here? we got a propane booth. We're going to show propane port tractor, and we're going to show some other vehicles that run on propane. And so I thought to myself, I reached out to one of our suppliers that makes a portable propane charging solution, reached out to the ActExpo, and I said, hey, you know, can we get in your ride and drive? And I'm, I didn't know where I was going to go, you know, because they're looking at, you know, where's the energy coming from? We have all these awesome electric vehicles that over-the-road trucks that are going to be there. And I said, you know, can we get in the ride and drive? And they said, okay, you know, um, let me check into that. And so I'm like, okay, they're not going to have us in there. Next thing I know, the next Monday they call, and they're like, hey, how much will you charge us to charge the ride and drive vehicles? And I said, Tony, if you get us in, I'm there. And he's like, perfect. We're not going to charge you for this space. You're helping us solve a need. And you're going to come in here and you're going to get to plug in and charge these vehicles for the ride and drive. It was exciting. We had, you know, large, you know, Mac was there. International was there. They all had their vehicles and they gave us the opportunity to connect and charge. Now, the fun part is we hooked up with one, a large propane retailer in the area 
and they actually had renewable propane available to us. So we were charging the electric vehicles, the zero emission, you know, tailpipe. We were charging them with a carbon intensity score with the blend that we had less than 20. So the grid in California is, you know, right around 79 to 80. Domestic propane is 79 to 80. So we're equal to the grid in that area, depending on how we look at carbon intensities. But since we had the blends that were available to us, we were charged with carbon intensity, you know, of 20, which was amazing that we were there. So it was very successful. The OEMs got very excited because they were going to have to drive down the road and they may have been able to charge them. They may not. They had the power, but we were charging these over-the-road electric vehicles at 700 volts and, you know, nice, quiet, clean, burning propane that was reliable, and it opened the OEM's eyes. They're like, hey, you know, we want to do this. And luckily, we're starting to pair with OEMs to help them electrify the future. So a lot of my talks that I'm doing now is propane helping electrify the future because we are a great source of energy that we produce electricity so we can charge these vehicles. So it's, it's really cool. Um, there's a lot of traction going on and a very successful event. We're going to have some press releases coming out on that. And, uh, we'll make sure we link to you guys. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. So what exactly does that equipment look like when you put it out at a conference, for example? How big is this footprint that's required? And what size tank do you have to have to you know, use the propane to charge these vehicles? And how fast does it go through the supply that you've got? So, so the, the portable unit that's available today, and they're selling them today, it takes up about a parking place. It's a trailer that weighs under 10,000 pounds. So it's a non-commercial load, and they have about 100 to 120 gallons of storage on board. So when we were there for the two-day event, and we were charging, you know, in spurts, but, you know, in the evenings and the morning when we were getting ready for the next day, we had some nonstop charging, and we only went through about a half a tank of fuel to charge over 12 vehicles. Mm. And that was, that was pretty exciting. So for a fleet that's starting and they don't have the infrastructure or if they don't have the transformers available, to have the 700-volt charging systems, this is a clean package that can be brought in, has its own onboard fuel, can be moved after the fleet gets bigger, and they put in some more permanent charging stations. Hopefully, they still rely on propane, but once they make their decisions. But for a fleet to adopt right now to go to electric vehicles, we in the propane industry have brought them a piece of equipment that can help them be successful today and be cleaner than what's available to them today. Yeah, especially if they're using the renewable propane. It sounds like a win-win all across the board. It, it's really uh, quite phenomenal. Yeah, so and, and the renewables, I mean, it's great. But the best part is we can tell the story right now with conventional propane, which in most of the country is cleaner than the electric grid. So we're already cleaning it up. But then we give them a path to zero when we start talking about the renewables. And this may not be something that's really on the radar, but could fleets be adding propane backups to their charging infrastructure just for the purpose of making sure that their vehicles can be charged? I'm thinking kind of like power companies that have electric uh, lifts and, and things like that, that if there was an emergency and the grid was down, they could use the propane to charge these and, and continue to operate. At 100%, that's where propane, we have the resilience, the reliability, and the affordability. With conventional propane right now, um, we're offsetting the diesel backup power generators right now. Like I said, as Tier 5 starts to come in, it's going to be more 
uh, you know, labor intensive to maintain these equipment and the cost is going to go up where, you know, we just basically have a catalytic converter on our propane power generators. And, you know, the simplicity of that is making it more attractive to bring propane power generators in. And also, you know, it's the reliability of our fuel. You can have on-site storage where, you know, how many days you want to have, we can calculate that out and give you that amount of storage. You know, what is the insurance policy that people want to carry? Yeah, it's really fascinating. Can you talk about any other projects you've got going on? So we just, uh, we finished up, I was in Austin, Texas, actually this week. We're dealing with another fleet and they're looking at putting 30 charging stations around the city of Austin. You look at Austin, they're pretty progressive there. A lot of electric vehicles there. Um, The charging stations are going in and the time that it's taking for them to come in and bring right from the electric grid, it's taking time. So now they're actually deploying the propane powered electric electric vehicle charging and they can start now. You know, we're only talking a month or two or, you know, maybe even three months for delivery, but we're not talking years to bring this in. So it's helping people meet their goals and needs right now. And then at the price points that they're having, they're locking in their propane price for a year or two years with the propane supplier. So now fleets like that because they know what it's going to cost them for the next two years to run their vehicles. And now they have reliable source. So if we have any energy crisis problems going on, um, especially being down in Texas, you know, two years ago when the storms came through there, we lost natural gas and electric for several days. And that's where besides cleaning up the environment and being good, it's the reliability. Because, I mean, the fleets need to go. So we electrify everything. These vehicles need to run. We can't be without any energy to charge those batteries. Right. Now, I remember I've gone through hurricanes, and it's hurricane season again. That runs usually from June through November. I'm thinking about how propane could be a really important resource if a hurricane hits an area and that people need power while the lines are out. Is that something that you guys uh, do any work on or, or consider or have, you know, I guess, contingency plans with any power companies to, to help them in, in such a situation? So, I mean, there's several manufacturers in there, and I hate to keep pushing the EV charging, but it's really a hot topic right now for us. And so a lot of the towing companies where hurricanes can happen, they're actually buying um, chassis equipment. So it's a truck that drives, you know, the engine actually runs on propane and then they have a propane generator on the back. So if there's an emergency and there's evacuations, if we start having electric vehicles that don't have enough charging as far as they are, we have mobile charging that's actually going to be available. And, um, we actually released, um, in March, we have one fleet that bought two trucks. It's actually down in Orlando, Florida, just for that purpose. It's a towing company that's ready to go. And they go out with a propane-powered vehicle charging electric vehicles. I mean, it's kind of a win-win. So we're bringing them reliability and safety while cleaning up the environment at an affordable price. So it's the package is exciting. I think that's where I kind of get some of my excitement that's going on because we're actually doing really good with an old product that's fulfilling the needs of what's required in 2023. Wow. Yeah, that's really interesting. And Orlando's a great place for it to be uh, headquartered so you can go in kind of any direction because uh, I live in Florida and I know hurricanes can hit anywhere along the coast. So, For sure. You mentioned that you're doing some work even outside of the U.S. Can you talk at all about that? 
So yeah, we're we're having great solutions. We, we've always been strong through the Caribbean and, and that area, where you know they don't have natural gas available to them. They have compressed natural gas or liquefied natural gas, but propane's always been strong in the islands. And as the storms have come through, um, in Puerto Rico, we have a nice site that has a combined heat and power unit that was for a backup for a hotel. And it actually started, it ran 30 days. It was able to keep them going up. That's how long they were without power. So you look at that resilience that's available and the storage that's available. And, you know, that's the difference between propane and other alternative sources. We already have our infrastructure. We can ship all over the United States. We can ship all over the world. We have plenty of product available. Right now, the propane industry is about a 10 billion gallon a year industry, plus or minus, depending on the weather. And we produce 30 billion gallons right now in the United States. So we're exporting 20 billion gallons. And that that goes to the islands and South America and Europe and all over. But when we start to look at, if we start to offset other fuels and the needs to be, we have surplus here in the United States to help meet our energy needs. And we don't have to build new infrastructure. Hydrogen is going to come down the road someday. Electrification is going to continue as they increase the grid. But for people to meet their energy needs and goals of today, they're able to use the infrastructure that's in front of them. There's not a spot in the United States, and I've been lucky enough to build infrastructure in every state, including Alaska and Hawaii, that we cannot get propane delivered. We have it covered um, through the islands and everywhere, and that's where our successes come. Yeah, it's fascinating that we're producing that much propane and and only using a a third of it. That's quite uh, remarkable, but I'm happy that we're helping others outside of our borders. For sure. I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole on renewable propane, but how is that evolving? Do you see it uh, really growing in the U.S. and continuing to expand? Yeah, so it's been really exciting for us. You know, about five years ago when we were talking about renewable and renewable propane, you know, they they called it a science experiment. But for, you know, the last five years since we've started, we were moving about 20 to 25 million gallons in the state of California. The reason why it's going to California is because there's a lot of tax credits for on-road vehicles. So basically... It's going for on-road vehicles, and that's where the renewables are going. We're not really doing a lot of power generation. We're not doing a lot of material handling with it. But there there are cases where they are. But what that's showing is viable and be, can be delivered. Now, by the end of this year, you know, we're hoping to be somewhere around 60 million gallons being delivered because there's more refineries coming on. And part of the exciting thing about that is most of our renewables are coming from Louisiana. And so our carbon intensity, when we make the renewable propane, has carbon intensity about seven. But by the time we put it on a train and a truck and get it to where the end use is, it's being delivered at a carbon intensity of 20.5. It's much cleaner than the grid. But as we start getting refineries closer to where we are and we don't have to ship as far, our carbon intensity start going down. And so... By the end of this year, we're going to be, you know, 60 to 80 million gallons. By the end of 2024, you know, we're going to be over 100 million gallons. That's that's projections where we're going. And, you know, when you look at 10 billion gallons to 100 million gallons, it's starting to offset. But the best thing that people can do now when they buy their generators that run a conventional propane that are cleaner than the grid in most places, 
they're cleaning up the environment. And as more renewables become available and other viable feedstocks become available, they don't have to change their equipment. So what you're buying and specifying now helps you clean up and you have a wide path to your zero carbon as more propane and propane blends are coming available. Yeah, that makes great sense. Uh, You know, you can uh, invest in the equipment now and still continue to use it in the future, even in a cleaner environment. Great to hear. It's exciting times. It's definitely exciting times for us. Yeah. And you talked about uh, scalability, and I think that's kind of an important theme as well. It sounds like everything is getting larger. Your capabilities are getting larger. Is that something that uh, you, you find to be really important too? Yeah, and that's, that's the fun part about as we start fleets that run on propane power and then even the electrification of fleets. They can come in and they can bring this towable generator in and have two charging stations. And then as it grows, we can increase storage on site and increase the number of chargers. It's definitely all scalable. And like I spoke, the towable, we have 120 gallons. You know, that gets them through two or three days, depending on how many vehicles they're charging. But then you start to look at the projects with larger power needs of data centers. We have a data center that's going into New Mexico, and they have four megawatts. So it's like running its own city. And for them to have enough capacity to run for 12 to 14 days, they have six 90,000-gallon tanks on site. So they have a half a million gallons of storage that's going to be available to keep this data center running. And it's just it's super cool because it's still the same product that can be as small as your house generator at 6KW, and now we go to multiple megawatt systems. And you're going to see the expansion of microgrids, and the propane generator, even without renewables, is a perfect add-on to the microgrid. So we can separate ourselves. We can separate communities. Um, We've done it in Hawaii where, you know, we have some wind and we have some solar, but when the heavy need happens, we are now going to charge the batteries with a propane-powered power generator. And, you know, it, it all ties together. All these energy sources work together to help clean up the environment. Sounds like a great option. Thanks so much, Jim. Is there anything else you'd like to talk about before we wrap up the show? No, I'm just excited to have, you know, this time to talk with you. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can get another time to talk and uh, want to bring in and we can really start to get into the renewables and where the renewables are coming from, the feedstocks that are going to be available and what the future projections are and, uh, you know, help people get to their energy goals that they're looking for for today and tomorrow. All right. Yeah, I definitely will have you back on the show so that we can go through some of those insights on renewables and and other things that uh, are important to you. Again, for listeners, I've been speaking with Jim Bunsey, Director of Commercial Business Development with the Propane Education and Research Council, or PERC. Thank you again, Jim, for coming on the show. Perfect, Aaron. I always enjoy being on and talking with you, and uh, hope you have yourself a good day.